Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. I am Daniel Jones with Cameron T. Robinson on Thursday, December 13th. We would have come at you earlier today or this week, but it has been so busy with Mizzou Athletics that today was the day that we decided to do our podcast. There's been a lot going on. I was just talking to Cam. I felt like as soon as the football season ended, my schedule would actually open up. But these last two weeks have been busier, I think, than any week in the regular season. Yeah, right over there? Yeah, there's something in my jacket and it's poking me. It was annoying. Something in your sleeve was yeah. poking you. Yeah, it was oh, annoying. Bummer. It was, it, every time I put my arm on the armrest, it was hurting. Wow. Are we are we over it? Are we good? Yeah, we're comfortable now. We're okay, good. that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. But between the commitment of Kelly Bryant, the new contract for Barry Odom, uh, everything that uh, everything that's happened uh, the last couple of days from a legal perspective with Trey Williams, uh, it has been busy yeah. around here covering the football team. So here we are. Yeah. Now maybe we'll have a little bit of a lull. I mean, you have recruit. You have National Sign Day coming up, and then uh, the bowl game and. Less than a week from National Signing Day. Yeah. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Missouri currently at the least of any team in the SEC, but uh, good news ahead for Missouri. They've gone the transfer route already in getting Kelly Bryant and Jonathan Nance. For, uh, Kelly Bryant from Clemson and Nance from Arkansas, obviously. But now there's a report from Power Mizzou that Chester Graves, who is the top-ranked juco prospect in the country is going to take a, 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 a visit to mizzou this weekend yeah outside linebacker uh, uh and defensive end yeah. more of a true defensive lineman i think from park hill is from my neck of the woods although he went to the rival high school that uh, i went to he goes to iowa western community college yes I'm looking at it on the rivals page. in council bluffs iowa wow yeah number one national rec- uh, he has interest from pretty much every school in the country yeah off from Alabama, Iowa, Iowa State, Miami, Florida, uh, Mississippi, Nebraska, TCU. Yeah, Andy Hill is the guy, the recruiter for Mizzou. So there you have it. That's this weekend. So Missouri's freshman recruiting class uh, still growing, mm-hmm. still room to grow. But so far in the grad in the transfer market, they've already picked up a quarterback uh, that's going to be the starter next year. Uh, a wide receiver that could be a starter next year and possibly one of uh, they're in I guess we'll say right now they're in the mix for the best defensive 
junior college player in the country. Yeah, yeah. The um, I was like looking at the forecast for like you know how like the Rivals does like percentage forecast of like where he's going to go. Oh, there goes my phone. Um, yeah, and they have Missouri leading the way. Missouri, uh, the analysts have quick off that the analysts have Missouri at 34 percent most likely to, get to land graves now I don't really want to get into this whole thing I was just I just looked <laughs> seems, at it and I thought that was interesting seems like a I don't know what the process is seems like a little bit of an unscientific method for oh, determining that. I think that's a lot of people who are just guessing but um that's kind of cool I just I like that kind of thing yeah I so I was literally just scrolling on it and I saw the Missouri thing and I was like hmm, what is that so there you go there's your there's your non-scientific uh, knowledge of where Chester Graves is going to go. Right, right, right. I wish I had a story of seeing him play considering he uh, and I grew up in the same school district, not at the same time, uh, but being from north Kansas City, north north part of Kansas City, it would have been fun to say I got to see him play, but I never did, unfortunately. Um, so there's your non-sequitur. He probably beat your school a few times. Yeah. Park Hill, it's got a pretty good football team. And Park Hill South does not have a history of football excellence. Yeah, you went to South, right? I did. Okay, that's what I thought. I did. Go Panthers. Uh, But in the world of football recruiting today in the issue of the Tribune, uh, we had, of course, we'll, we'll touch on this briefly, the story about Trey Williams. That story has turned multiple times. It started on Monday uh, when knowledge of his charges became, or I guess what I should say, knowledge of his arrest became public on Monday. And that was the news Monday was that he was arrested. There was a report Tuesday night uh, initially that the case against him had been dropped. And then the Tribune followed up on that and confirmed that through the off the office of the Missouri prosecuting attorney on Wednesday morning. But what the Tribune found out Wednesday afternoon was that the case appeared in CaseNet and appeared to be going forward. And so through some more research, we found out that the case had not been dropped. And that was confirmed by the, uh, the actual prosecuting attorney for Boone County uh, yesterday, late afternoon, basically reversing what the office said Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. So we were told by the office of the prosecuting attorney Wednesday morning that the case was dropped. And then the prosecuting attorney himself said Wednesday evening or Wednesday afternoon that it wasn't being dropped and it hasn't been dropped. So a story on the details of that in uh, today's paper, you can go onto ColumbiaTribune.com and read about that. Uh, But the other story that ran today was about uh, two members of that recruiting class that could help out in the secondary and uh two of the 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 two in particular were uh jelani williams from so go ahead jelani williams from st louis went to parkway north high school and ishmael burdine who is from slidell louisiana and uh from the people i have talked to one of them is a uh scout through uh, who SDC Grid reports. His name is Danny Heitert. Uh, he's been great, and he, he he provides us scouting reports on Missouri's recruits every year. Uh, and the scouting reports are are pretty entertaining and insightful. Uh, he believes that Ishmael Burdine is the player in the recruiting class right now who is most ready to help Missouri. That That's was that was didn't Jelani Williams like 
wasn't he like the recruit? Jelani Williams is the only four star yeah. in the class, according to Rivals and Twenty Four Seven Sports. So yeah. those are the kind of the two that, at the moment, uh, seem to be the most likely to help quickly. Uh, but the story was on them, and this is what. This is what Danny Heider had to say about Ishmael Burdine and his scouting report. He said, this combo, high school corner and safety, has advanced athleticism and extreme competitiveness. At times, uh, at times Burdine is physical with receivers to a fault, mugs receivers and man coverage in ways that are just this side of battery. Quality large schools receive... Quality large school receivers struggled to acquire separation and then encountered more of Burdine's intrusive hand jolts when the ball arrived. Um, later called him an outstanding prospect. About Jelani Williams, he said this rare impactful free safety is his state's premier playmaking defender, utilizes swift diagnostics and rapid closing speed along with smart pursuit paths to dissolve ball carriers. Already a wicked striker maintains responsible scheme coverage defensive leverage and works through clutter effectively yeah so there's your scattering report yeah with words like diagnostics and dissolves ball carriers and yeah i don't know you don't even see like often that many that that in-depth of scouting reports on nfl prospects right 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 so uh danny's helped out uh, the Tribune for a number of years, uh, going back before I was the beat writer here, but he also uh, helped helped me out last year with the recruiting class, and so there'll be a lot more uh, stories with his insights coming up as National Signing Day gets a little bit closer. Oh, and then uh, on Wednesday, in Wednesday's edition of the Tribune, there was a story about football attendance, which has gone down, and we've noticed that throughout the season, uh, but the uh, the average attendance this year was fifty one thousand four hundred and sixty five. That was down twenty five people per game from last year. So that's a kind of a drop in the bucket. It didn't go up. It's it went down again for the fourth straight year. And if you go back to twenty fourteen, uh, that number from this year is a twenty one point eight percent drop from twenty fourteen. So it's kind of become it's become a crisis, yeah. Essentially, and one of the most interesting things about that was that the student attendance plummeted this year, partly because they sell. I think what what might be partly to uh, blame for that, and this is also the opinion of Nick Juice, the kind of lead communications uh, guy for Mizzou Athletics, but football and basketball tickets are sold together as a package for students and so last year you oh, had Michael the effect Porter, of michael porter yeah. to sell students that kind of helped out football tickets yeah, yeah. and now without him they went down almost uh 35 well, percent and you're seeing the same thing at basketball games there's no way i mean the attendance is significantly lower than it was last year at last year's games how why why is that that's what I, that was kind of what i was trying to figure out this week there's and, a lot of people who didn't who weren't thinking about mizzou basketball until michael porter jr came and now that michael porter jr is gone they don't think about mizzou basketball again that's what it seems like i mean it's unbelievable how the difference in attendance between now and last year and it's not like this team this team isn't great it's not like this team is like Kim Anderson level, like winning, they're not going to win eight conference games in three years. I, I mean, that's not, that's my only explanation. I could, people just don't want to come out because there's no Michael Porter Jr., there's no Jonte Porter, there's no. I mean, that's that's got to be my only explanation because uh, it's the same coach, same pretty much same team, new freshman. They just beat Central Florida at home. They've had some pretty entertaining games. 
I don't know what else you want. Their winning record. I mean, they're likely to go nine and three in non-con. What else could you ask? Yeah, them? that's pretty good. What considering they lost their best player, the exactly. centerpiece of the entire roster exactly. before the season even started. Yeah, they're six and three. I mean, they they're, they're three. Their two losses are to their three losses are to NCAA tournament teams. Which kind of makes you wonder: Is it like I think Mizzou fans? One thing about them is they kind of make up their mind before yeah. anything you know like they make up their mind about a season before, before it happens. happens yeah and so i mean because last year with michael porter the mind i mean there i think a lot of people's minds have been made up that it was going to be an incredible basketball season yeah. and it did end up being you know based on what it had been yeah a pretty great year but even by making the ncaa tournament a lot of people thought it was a disappointment because they didn't go to the Elite Eight, and yeah, Michael Porter right, Jr. Right. was a disappointment because he didn't come in and take over games, even though he was coming back before he was fully healthy. Yeah. So nobody's ever happy because you know the season was supposed to be so good, and then it wasn't as good as everybody hoped it would be. And now this year, you, I think when Jonte got hurt, everybody kind of made up their mind that right, the season was over. Yeah, right. And I mean, legitimately, like statistically, you can do all the stats you want. That's fine. Um, that like this is statistically this seems not as good as last year's team. Obviously, it's not. You really don't have to look deep into stats to see that. But last year's team went and lost three non-conference games. This year's team has a legitimate chance to finish non-conference with three losses in the non-conference season. If you're a Missouri fan and you can't come out to watch a team that could legitimately have the same non-conference record as last year's team, then I don't know what you can come out for. Like this team's, I mean, they're they're most likely, I mean, they're most likely going to get throttled by Tennessee at at home to open SEC play. Like that's probably that's happen. a tough draw to open exactly. SEC play. So, but I mean, they're they're winning games. They're 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 entertaining games, close games. I just maybe it's just like I this all I can think of it being is the Porter effect's gone. And like you said, when Jonte went down, people decided this team's going to be bad. Why do I need to go watch them? They're like, our best player is Jeremiah Tillman, and he gets in foul trouble, so why do I need to go? Like, And it's just like, I think, like you said, they've made their mind up. Maybe it, maybe if they go 9-3 and three through non-con, it changes going into conference season. I also think people come out more for conference games than they do for games against Temple or Central Florida. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that'll be... I think the Tennessee I think that's game, a reason why the Xavier game will be... That, a, that will, a good test. Yeah, that yeah. will be... A, more of a draw yeah. just by quality of opponent. I do think the January 8th game against Tennessee would probably be a big game. I think a lot of people, as, as in big game, as in there would be a lot of people there. One, Tennessee is a top three team in the country. Two, it's a conference game. So um, I think there would be a lot of people there for that. But yeah, I agree. I just don't. Yeah, I think people just make their minds up on things. It's similar with football. Yeah, I was just about to say with football. <sighs> You go back to the beginning of this year, and even though they were bringing back a good team and Drew Locke and Terry Beckner, there still was just not a lot of buzz yeah. going into the season. Zero. And then, and then almost like retroactively, the loss to Kentucky killed so much momentum that even by the end of the year when Missouri was playing for win number seven and win number eight, everybody was kind of checked out. Um, and, and I think that's a really – interesting phenomenon that seems to happen a lot with Missouri that like the lo- the the losses stick with everybody a lot more than the, the wins, wins yeah. do yeah that that definitely is a trend that i've noticed is is the the losses stick with everybody a lot longer than yeah. the wins do yeah no i agree i th- i think once they lost to south carolina and then you lost to georgia uh it was like one of those things you're like man it's going to be the same old season um which again 
the second they second they go down there and beat Florida, everyone should be in the stands for the next game. Right. Like, you would think. Yeah. Now that's and and even historically, if you were to ask a longtime Mizzou fan, what are the most famous games in Mizzou football history? Like what games define Mizzou football? What, people would say the fifth down game yeah and the flea kicker even though missouri also like beat kansas to become the number one team in the country in 2007 it almost made it to the national championship game even though in 2013 they beat johnny manzel and texas a&m to win the sec east and go to the sec championship game as one of the top five teams in the country yeah as much as people as much as fans hate heartbreak heartbreak's the thing you remember yeah it's just kind of crazy to me yeah so I, I think know. that is a defining characteristic of Missouri fandom is that the losses are people talk about losses in these horrible ways, but they're like embraced. It's like, yeah. this is who we are. Yeah. The losses are who we are. And even when they have good teams, the losses stick with every, the, the football season will be known for the Kentucky loss. Yeah. And that. I, I I believe like I think that's the way that people are going to think about the 2018 season is that they could have won nine games and they lost to Kentucky and and that was the one half all season that they didn't play very well. Yeah. I mean, really, I I go back to the football season and Missouri didn't have a stinker all year. They the worst half they played by far all season was against Kentucky. They really didn't have another half like that the entire rest of the year in any of their other 11 games. Yeah. But that's going to be what I think defines the season. I agree. I agree. We'll find out more in hindsight as time rolls on. Before we get into some more uh, basketball stuff, we're going to take a quick break uh, and thank our sponsors. I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at columbiapowerpartners.com and contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. Welcome back, and we're going to get right into a couple of stories that are coming up in the future issues of the Tribune. Uh, a lot of them basketball-related. We'll have football stories coming up, obviously, but uh, Cam, you're working on a story right now on Jordan Geist, who's pretty much become the face of the program, yeah. I think, this year as a starting point guard. He hit the incredible shot that we talked about in our last podcast against UCF, Um What's your story that you're working on about Jordan Geist? Uh, so I guess it's more of less just about Jordan Geist and his leadership. Um, like, obviously, coming into the year, he talked a lot about, like, I want to be a leader. This is the, the role I've always wanted. But I, I, my thought behind the story and when I talked to his dad last night, it was about my sense was there's a lot of people who talk about I want to be a leader. There's a lot of people who can go out there and say a lot of things and make people really excited. But it's a lot different to say something and then go out there and do it. And so what I was looking for early in this year was to see how Jordan Geist would accept that role or kind of embrace being the guy for Mizzou. Because like, Kevin, Kevin Kemper, great leader for this team on and off the floor, but through the first nine games, 
you've seen a few games. There's no doubt that Jordan Geis is the person that makes his team go. He's yeah. a point guard, runs the offense, runs the defense. His energy, when he's pumped up, everybody else is pumped up. Um, I mean, his five-point swing against Oral Roberts literally won them the game. Like, they go up 10, he flexes, and everybody's like, okay, it's go time. And then all the all the, all his teammates say the same thing. Like, So I, I think it's so it's a lot different than when in the offseason when Jordan Geis is saying, I want to be it, but now he's acting acting it out, and all his, all his teammates see it as well. So it's a little bit about that and just how much – He's been used more, more this year. Like his usage rate, I was like looking that up last night. Um, and shout out to KenPalm.com for doing all this stuff for us so we don't have to. Yeah. Um, but it's just up exponentially from last year. If I can learn how to find it right now. Um, but it's, it's, it's similar to how Cassius was being used last year. Now, I'm not, now I'm not saying Cassius. It, Jordan Geist is cash at all. Like That's not possible because he was just at an unbelievable rate last year. Um, but, I mean, his, his, shoot, his shooting percentage is up. His sh- like shot usage percentage is up. His turnover rate is down. and assist rate is up. Um, he's playing very, very well right now, and he's very, very confident. Now, he's not shooting the ball incredibly well. Like, he'll have a few games where he's like, on, a few games when he's off. But um, so it's kind of just about Jordan Geis and how much this team needs him and how much this team really goes as Jordan Geis goes. Because, I mean, if you think about it right now, if you take Jordan Geis off this team, they're probably, they probably have four wins. I mean, he, his energy, his, his grit. It's a completely different level this year than it was last year, and it's just—I mean—it's evident because you can see it. Like when jo- when Jonte goes down, Mizzou needed somebody to step up, whether that was in points or energy or leadership, and Jordan Geis is really taking over that role. Yeah, and I think even if Jonte was still playing, Jordan right. Geis would be the energy. Right, one hundred percent. Jonte yeah. is not really an energy, energy guy. guy. Yeah, but I—it's when you go back to Jordan Geis first year at Missouri and you projected the the kind of player he would eventually be yeah I would no be stunned if anybody besides Jordan Geist his family and maybe his form his junior college coach Billy Gillespie yeah. thought that uh, Jordan Geist would be the guy yeah. for Missouri by the end of his career he is the yeah, he is the engine room for Missouri. He's the uh, and I. That's why I said face of the program. I mean, every time something good seems to happen for the Tigers, it's because of something he's doing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously he was so big in the UCF game, and then like you said against Oral Roberts. But um, I, I think mean, just like this is what I was looking for. His possession. So this is Jordan Geis' possession percentage this year: twenty three point seven through nine games. Cassius Robertson's possession percentage last year was 21.6. So more possessions are ending with Jordan Geis' hands on the ball, whether that's a shot, assist, turnover, like it all goes into that. Now, Cassius Robertson's shoot shot percentage, like the amount of percentage, the percentage of possessions that ended in a Cassius shot, yes, 23.9 last year. The amount of possessions that are ending in a Jordan Geis shot this year, 23.9%. Like, he is literally taking over Cassius' role. It's now. It's. Not, I'm not saying he's Cash. He's maybe really not hard. the level of the level of it. I mean, Cash's was uh, elite SEC scorer last year. Yes, Jordan Geis won't be that, but he has to have the ball in his hand for Missouri to succeed. Similar to how Cash's was last year. Right, right, right. Uh, Jordan Geist's dad, Scott Geist, great guy. I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had some he's pretty a funny good guy, stories. Yeah. One of his, one of the ones you told me about that was pretty funny. Was about. Uh, 
What well, he was talking he, about the Georgia game. Yeah, he was talking about he's. So I asked him like, "Have you seen a difference in Jordan on the floor?" I was like, "Stats aside, just watching him." And he was like, um, "Yeah, last year he was like the guy who it was. He's he's like he's the guy who wanted to get in a Georgia forward's face, but at the time he'd be like, don't hit me.' <laughs> <laughs> and he he goes, "Now I see him, and he's he he's he's dishing it back a little bit. Like he's he's a guy who." He's very confident right now in his game, which is pretty much what he was getting to. He's like he's extremely confident on the floor and everything he could do. And I thought something else was funny. So Jordan's from Indiana, so his dad doesn't get to every game. They talk after every game, but he doesn't get to every game. He was at the Central Florida game, and he was like he he, he said he go. I talked to Jordan a lot. Like he, there's times where his shots on and his shots off, and when his shots off, you can tell like his elbows bent wrong or he's leaning one way. And I was like, well, he kind of had to lean in that shot. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, I know. And when he shot it, he goes, Scott goes, I didn't think it was going in. He goes, he was sitting behind the basket. Jordan shot a, shot shot it into about ten rows up, and he just sat there and goes, that's not going in. And he said, Cullen Bay and Lear's dad was next to him, and, he, and goes, yeah, that's going in. And then and Scott, Scott goes, Scott goes. When it went in, I was like, Oprah. I, he was like, You get a high five. You get a high five. You get a high five. It was so funny. But um, yeah, I just we were so. I guess our talk was really about like the feel that he had gets from talking to Jordan right now, and it's just that his his confidence level, both in practice behind closed doors, in terms of getting after people, is and on the floor during games is much higher than it was ever that he's at, that he's at, hit during his time in Missouri. Yeah, I think Cullen Van Leer's dad was probably the only person in the universe that yeah. thought that shot was going in. And he probably had a pretty hands. good view of it. For him to say that, he must have had a good view of like the basket and the ball. Like, I saw that. I got Jordan that. Geis probably let go of that shot and was like, no, nah, that's not going in. Well, he told us afterwards, he was like, I knew it was him when I shot it. But that's what all shooters say. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't believe that. Yeah. That's uh, the... The blind faith of uh, oh, a shooter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, though. Yeah, Scott Geist is is a fun fun source. He's yeah. got some good insight on on the mind of Jordan Geist. Yeah. And uh, there's another feature you're working on too to kind of transition a little bit into women's basketball yeah. on Amber Smith. Yeah. And uh, the Tigers won again uh, last weekend. They beat SLU. Yeah. In St. Louis, in yeah. a game that was really close, it was kind of seventy-four, sixty-two shades of a couple of years ago when Missouri played at SLU and they were up by eighteen, I believe, and ended up losing that game oh, by yeah. double digits. And then uh, in this game, they were up by double digits. SLU came all the way back, and Missouri ended up winning by four. Uh, but that's, I believe, uh, fifth win in a row for they, they won by uh, twelve. Twelve win. It's on Sunday last the, week. Twelve? Yeah. What'd you say the final score was? Seventy four sixty two. I thought you said it was seventy four or sixty four. Oh no, seventy four sixty two. That was the final. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Unless I'm looking at the wrong year, but it's got to be because there's no because they play South Dakota on Saturday. Yeah, seventy four sixty two. My bad. Yeah, my bad. For a twelve point game. Twelve point. Now four point game. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, SLU did work its way back in. Mizzou was up like fifteen sixteen, and then SLU had a big second third quarter and cut it. And the single digits, and Mizzou held on. Okay, yeah. So, so same, had, same, had, same, same storyline. Yeah, I had that part right. Just I had Mizzou the final score wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's my bad. But throughout Missouri's five-game winning streak, which it is five. Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, 
Amber Smith, I mean, you've had a lot of different players step up. Yeah. It was started with Hannah Schutz. Well, if well, you go yeah. back one, it was Sophie, and yeah, then it PX. was Hannah Schutz, and right. then Amber Smith had a huge game against West Virginia, uh, and she's played really well mm-hmm. over this stretch. Yeah. What's uh what's she, your angle on Amber? So she coming into the year, obviously Missouri doesn't have any post players right now. Like zero post players. They are like the for a team that was traditionally give the post post touch to uh Sierra Porter or um Jordan Frerichs. Jordan Frerichs. I don't know why. I was gonna say Jordan Roundtree, but I knew that wasn't right. Nah, she's uh, not your back yeah, to the basket. She's not your back to the post player. But the the team's completely changed. Um so Amber's obviously kind of taken over the role on the boards. Um, she entered the year with entered the year with two career double doubles. She now has six and three in a row. Um, so that's kind of what I was being t- talking to her about. Um, I talked to her high school coach Kyle Tanner a few days ago or yesterday, I think, um, about that, and he was like, "I'm not surprised. That's like I know Amber hasn't done it a lot in high, at college, but like he said in high school, she played one through five, and like every game she played one through five. He was like, she had the rare ability to um, play all, all positions, and in practice, she worked on every position. So it's kind of so kind of about Amber's um, ability to turn into a double double, kind of Missouri's really best rebounder. Um, so that's that's kind of my angle for Amber. She's, I mean, she's arguably been Missouri's most important player this season. Sophie struggled a little bit, um, but Amber's been incredible the last few last few weeks. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think as I think more more than anybody else on this team, the team will go as Amber goes yeah, because Sophie is going to produce on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And you know what you're going to get out of Sophie uh, on on pretty much every single night. But if Amber is producing and scoring and and getting to the free throw line and yeah. hitting outside shots, then that makes Missouri so much harder to guard yeah. because your best defender is going to be on Sophie, and then you know somebody else is going to be on Amber. And if she's scoring and Sophie's scoring, then that it's offense really is time. really dynamic. And they have shooters to put around them. Um, so when they're finally when they actually start shooting the ball well, uh, they can be a really tough team to guard. The, again, the pro- the problem is when they're not shooting well against teams that are bigger than them, it's going to be hard to get their, their offensive boards. Um, and then you got to get stops on the defensive end against teams that are bigger than you. So that'd be kind of, that's where the tough part comes in. But when, like you said, when Sophie's scoring and Amber's scoring and they're knocking down shots, they're, they're, they're going to put up a lot of points. So uh, Missouri will play South Dakota State on, no, South Dakota. South Dakota, yep. not State. Yep, yep. South Dakota on, that's this weekend. Yep, Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Missouri men don't play until Tuesday. Tuesday against Xavier. Yeah, and then um, then you have the double bragging rights. The women play at Illinois on the twenty first, and then the men have the actual bragging rights game in St. Louis on the twenty second. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And then you have Mizzou football in the Liberty Bowl on the thirty first to close out the year. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming. Yeah, jam packed December. Jam packed December. Jam packed. Jam packed December. So thanks for catching us this week as we get through uh, a kind of a. A long stretch without any games. No games this week for Mizzou. <laughs> Which means no me pizza. Cheering. No pizza uh, in the pregame meal, but it also means some earlier nights which is good yeah uh thanks for sticking around go ahead cam oh we appreciate you guys listening subscribe uh wherever you listen subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts um follow all our work on the tribune's website columbiatribune.com subscribe to the tribune as well um support local journalism that's always a great thing yeah
um, um, follow us on Twitter. At, uh, my Twitter is at CJ underscore Teague. And Danny's is at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. Um, and without, I don't really have anything else to add. So Danny, cue the outro music. Subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. 